You're listening to the ESPN Radio 94.1 podcast page, accelerated by Sports Innovation X. Six is bridging the gap between tech, athletes, and teams. Check them out at sportsinnovationx.com. Hampton Roads has a long-running high school and college sports tradition. It's time to give them the spotlight they deserve. This is the 757 at 6 on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. 757 at 6, Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. We got to talk about men's basketball. Old Dominion. That's total crap. We got to talk about how I was hoodwinked, bamboozled. The ODU men's basketball team spent 12 games at the end of their regular season, making me believe they had clicked. They spent 12 games making me think they had figured something out. Hmm. I guess not. I feel for the seniors, right? You know, like, I'm not even mad. I'm disappointed. I feel for the seniors on Old Dominion. I feel for the players who who that game, that loss to Texas State in the second round after ODU's bye through the first round. I feel for the players. Because 65 to 36 loss to a, a lower seeded team is just the tip of the iceberg. There were points in time in that game, it was it was 26 to 6. 21 to 5 prior to that at halftime it was 32 to 14 and then they lost the second half by double digits i mean if it like if you dive into the box score it 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 looks exactly like you think it would look right your 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 leading scorer chauncey jenkins your third team all uh, all conference player all sunbelt player was was 0 for 8 from the field, 0 for 2 from 3, and all of his three points came from the line. You shot 14% from three, which is not good, but it doesn't look horrendous when you consider they shot 23% overall. They took 52 shots, they made 12 of them. And this is a team that showed promise. It showed progress. Like I said, the last 12 games of the regular season, they had beaten the top two seeds to close their regular season. They they had, had come together. They had shown the toughness that maybe was missing early in the season. They had overcome injuries to key players. They had overcome adversity in the form of little nagging hurts and owies. Like there, there, there was so much good for this program. I thought... Right There's the cliches where you talk about peaking at the right time and heading into the postseason, clicking on all cylinders. I thought all of that was going to apply. They showed up, and, and in the blink of an eye, they were down 20, like quick. <laughs> let me go back. Let me, let me make sure I get this right. Um, they were down 16-2, to two, less than nine minutes into the game. Wait, they were down even they were down 16 to 1 essentially 8 minutes into the game. 8 minutes and 5 seconds. Now, if you're down 16 to 1 and it and you're like 4 minutes into the game, it could just be the other team caught some kind of fire coming. It's like, "Hold on, let's chip away at it one at a time." If you're 8 minutes into the game and you're down 16 to 1, 
there's a big feeling of fellas we should we should enjoy this because our season's over that is a tough look for the program right the we talk about athletes we talk about teams we talk about coaches and when we judge so much of them what do we talk about postseason success what do they do in big games we count rings right we count playoff statistics the season was a nice turnaround story right they started off seven new faces two new assistant coaches they started off showing some some cracks in their foundation and it's it appeared as if they had they had shored all of that up in the face of great adversity they bowed their neck they fought back and they got themselves to a point where it was realistic over the last you know three weeks of the season that they were going to end up a top four seed if if they you know things broke their way top four seed and have a double buy there was a lot of optimism Makai Long's, I mean, he was dunking on somebody every single game. Chauncey Jenkins, as I mentioned, all-conference third-team player. There was a lot of good. And and a lot of that gets unraveled when, when you get beat 65-36 to 36 the way they did in the second round of the tournament to Texas State. And I don't want to say Texas State like Texas State, but to put it a little bit of perspective, um, ODU was 11-7 in the Sun Belt. Texas State was 6 and 12. Like that's a team that you should beat. And I don't even like saying should beat, but you should beat them. Right? I mean, sometimes I feel like it's it's like, "Nah, you know what? If you're a significantly higher seed playing significantly better basketball towards the end of the year, you should beat them." And and you again, you look at the seniors and and I understand games can get away from you and this is tremendously bad timing. Right, if this happens two weeks ago, we go, ooh, good thing they got that out of their system. But it didn't, right? It's like it's it's you can't write it off as one bad game because in, in college basketball, the whole thing is you use your entire season to get ready. So you you can't allow yourself to have one bad game once you get to the single elimination portion of the schedule. And the fact that it happened in their very first game of the single elimination portion of the schedule does make me believe that it's not like some some kind of fluke. It's like, all right, they weren't ready to step up and when the pressure gets a little higher. Hopefully you learn from this and you come back next year. Right? The the funny part about college basketball is that yeah, you have to be ready for one and done games. But the best example of all time of losing a one-and-done game and finding a way to bounce back comes from college basketball. It's UVA. They lost to a 16 seed as the number one seed. We remember it, right? UMBC, all the dancing, all the celebrating. What did UVA do? They learned from it. They came back the next year. They won the national championship. That's the ultimate bounce back. ODU is going to have a lot of players from this roster coming back, assuming that the transfer portal doesn't upend a lot of it which is always a possibility but there's going to be guys coming back and and they're going to have to learn from this because if not i mean if you don't learn something from it if you don't do something because of it if you don't fix the problems that were exposed in that game then all you did was lose 65 36 in a playoff game Uh, if you learn from it you can you can you know make it some kind of a silver lining you talk about the transfer portal do you worry that this prevents or kind of scares 
other athletes away from coming to ODU as a part of that transfer, you know, give and take? Mm, it's it's. I mean, the transfer portal, A, is brand spanking new. So we we don't know how it's going to be affected. But I think it's, it's really a, a place for salesmen, right? You could say this is going to scare people away. They're not going to want to come. Or you could say your sales pitch is just, listen, we got beat 65-36 in, in the Sun Belt. There are shots available here. We need we need somebody that's going to show up and score. Yeah, you could go to these other ones that are winning and good and bring back uh, you know uh, an all conference team that won the conference and they went to the NCAA tournament. But guess what? You're going to be the third option there. You're going to be the fourth option there. You come here, shots available, right? No, nobody has written an in ink on our depth chart, right? It, your your sales pitch changes, and you have to know which players to target and how to approach them. Um, but but. You know, the transfer portal is going to give it and take it away probably every offseason from now in, in until the rules change or things settle down. Um, if they, you know, and ODU, let's not forget, I mean, they were the sixth seed, right? They had a really bad playoff game, but I wouldn't let the seventh through 14th teams in the conference bully me in the transfer portal. Like, you were still better than them in the regular season. But, man, I don't want to try to put lipstick on a pig on this one. Rough watch. Rough to even follow along like the stats. Rough to hear people talking about it. This is a time heals all wounds situation. I think the best thing you can do is kind of turn off your social media and wait a couple weeks. If you're the program, you need to you need to distance yourself from this one. 757 at 6, Priority Auto, Sports Radio 94.1. We're going to have some more fun when we come back. Uh, that one, not a fun conversation for me. I'd much rather talk about teams that are thriving, players that are succeeding, than teams that are struggling. Uh, so we're going to talk about a guy that thrived over the weekend. His name, Zach Kuntz, and he thrived in a big way. ODU tight end slash NFL wild athlete coming up. All over Hampton Roads. For the best in local high school and college sports talk, it's the 757 at 6 on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. One of the the more fun parts of the NFL Combine is just seeing how unbelievable certain NFL players are. Like, you look at them, how are we the same species? Maybe the person that, more than any other this Combine, had was inspiring that thought across the, the, the country, ODU's very own Zach Kuntz. Tight end. How were so many of us the same? Like, I played college football. I'm not sure I'm the same species as this guy. There were other people at the, the NFL combine that are probably looking at him going, jeez, how am I the same species as that guy? Other people that were, were trying to make it to the NFL. Right under our noses this whole time. Like I knew he was an athletic marvel, right? I, I've... Uh, you know, stood next to him. I've tweeted out that he's bigger in person. I've I've marveled at his ability on on the field. I wasn't expecting this. I was expecting good, very very good. I was expecting him to open eyes. I mean, he he cut off eyelids. He didn't just open eyes. If you're a blinker, cut your eyelids off. Six seven, two hundred and fifty five pounds. He is the tallest player in NFL Combine history to record a forty inch vert which was obviously also the number one best vert uh, amongst all tight ends. 
He had a 10-8 broad jump, which was the best amongst all tight ends. He had a 4-5-5-40, which was number two amongst all tight ends. And, oh, by the way, he's huge. He's 6'7", 255 pounds. It was so unexpected nationally. Uh, I played the clip earlier of him running his 40. We have it. So uh, this is the clip. Uh, NFL Network was was obviously doing all the combine coverage. And, um, <laughs> and here's what it went. Height to ride the ride. What, what's the cutoff? Like six, five and a half for this ride? Zach Koontz for he the might four, be, five, five. They're having other conversations until he crossed the line. Right, the, the Darnell Washingtons, who's another tight end that is a different kind of freaky athlete tight end, uh, a little less explosive, a lot bit bigger. So they're, you know, they're two of the crazier athletes that were at the whole combine. Every time Washington did anything, it felt like the entire broadcast shut down. Zach Koontz, meanwhile, was doing more freaky athleticism things, and it felt like everyone was like, wait a second, what happened there? I was talking about Bryce Young, who ran the 40 20 minutes ago. And it's, it's going to vault his status. People like to say it doesn't, but it, there are certain positions where the combine gets people really excited. And tight end is one of them, right? Like the, the, the tight end might be the freakiest athlete position in the NFL because you have to be like an, an offensive tackle slash wide receiver. Think about that. Like think about how crazy that is. That That's like... I don't even know the best example. It'd be like uh, a track and field coach going, we need you to be a shot putter slash 400 meter runner. It's like, those aren't even close, but yeah, you're going to have to do it anyway. All right. It's like, you might have to sit in and block Nick Bosa one-on-one. You also might have to beat Darius Slay on a corner route. What? Well, yeah. Okay, well, you're going to have to be a pretty freaky athlete to do that. Well, I have this one guy who's 6'7", 255. He runs a, a mid 4'5", 40, and he can jump 40 inches. Yeah, all right, all right, let's see. Let's see what he can do. I want to look further into this, this specimen of an athlete. Which, by the way, you know, job security. Uh, if football doesn't, doesn't work out, beach volleyball. 6'7", with a 40-inch vert. Go good, you know, trim 20 pounds, go 6'7, 230, 235. Olympics. I mean, I think that's a nice little fallback. Get a nice tan. He used to be into the beach, played at ODU. The other thing I'll say is this uh, I think it's good that there's there's the Darnell Washingtons, the Michael Mayers, because a tight end, you don't even want to be the number one guy in the draft. If you look at the history of tight ends, the top guys bust a lot. But you look at the, you know, Dallas Goddard, third tight end drafted in his class. Mark Andrews, fourth tight end drafted in his class. George Kittle, ninth tight end drafted in his class. Travis Kelsey, fifth tight end drafted in his class. Yeah, the top guys, sure. The Ebrons of the world, Eric Ebron, Noah Fance. Those guys, the, the top, top, Kyle Pitts, hasn't done much. You want to be like third to 10th. I think that's exactly like, I think he could be the fifth tight end drafted Zach Koontz, which is to say that's about the average of where all the studs are drafted. Now, do I think that's predictive or a coincidence? I'd probably lean coincidence, but it's more fun to say it's predictive because I think it's just going to work out in his favor. 
right? Wet street causes rain. Probably not the way it actually goes, right? It's probably the rain, but you can't tell which one happened first. I just, I'd look at it and I say this. If I, if there was some kind of athleticism decathlon that we were entering, there's not many players in the NFL you draft over Zach Koontz. Now the, the question is, his first year at ODU, he was extremely productive. The second year, which he was shortened by injury, which obviously he's over, <laughs> right? He's, he's overcome the injury to do everything he did at the combine, was a little less productive. Can you take this, this ball, actually not like this mound, he's 6'7", 255, this monstrous-sized human and his considerable physical abilities and turn them into a tight end that can be not just good, but one of those elite guys. Right? The, the, the tight end position, more so than any other position, you look for traits. It's why so many basketball players can play like a year of football and then suddenly they're, they're in the Pro Bowl. It's, it's because the size and the explosiveness are, are such requirements, there's just not many of them out there. I think you, you can eliminate tight ends from the elite conversations quickly. Now, there are guys that could be, you know, like the Austin Hoopers or the, the Hayden Hursts. They can be just good, not just good, but they can be pass-catching options. They're going to give up something in the blocking. There's also guys that can be essentially third offensive tackles, but unless it's a check down, right, where they're just getting into the flat or something, they're not really going to be pass-catching threats. Then you have occasionally the guys that have the physical ability to do both. And if you have that crossover, that's the secret sauce. And the, the guys I mentioned, right, the Mark Andrews, the George Kittles, like there's there's not a ton of them, but it, when you find them, they give you what I talk about is personnel versatility. Meaning you can have the same guys on the field and have five wide receivers spread out, or you can have tight ends, flex, two backs, right? And and if you don't have to change personnel, that's such an advantage, right? You can run the hurry-ups that, that teams love to do. You can uh, not let the defense substitute, which is huge, right? If the offense substitutes, the refs will guarantee the defense has time to sub as well. If you don't have to substitute and you can go from big to small, meaning you can go from spread out to packed in with, with a jumbo set, all because you have these versatile tight ends, it's massive, then you get offensive coordinators that that you know their their imagination runs away with them. Zach Kuntz could be that kind of guy. Not to mention, and by the way, we're gonna have Zach Kuntz on the show tomorrow. We're actually gonna talk to him. Question: My first question. I mean, it's got to be just like, how does it feel to be a wild athlete? I, I was always trying to make do with less over here. Um. The the last part is, he is six seven. With a 40-inch vert. He is the highest or the tallest player to ever record a 40-inch vert at the NFL Combine. How do you not turn that into a red zone weapon? There are cornerbacks out there that are 5'10". There are safeties out there that are six foot even. Like, he is 6'7 with a 40-inch vert. Do we, like... He he's not he's not like hands above those guys. He's like shoulders above those. He's head and shoulders above those guys. Literally at the peak of his jump. Basically, I I would have him start start training on just getting like uh, pummeled in the midsection. 
because he's going to jump up with two hands above his head. No one's even going to try to go make a play on the ball. They're just going to try to punch him in the stomach. Give him a rib protector. Let him, let him get used to it. I mean, those those stats at the Combine are truly ridiculous. Again, we'll be talking to Zach Kuntz tomorrow, and I'm going to have a really fun time with it. Uh, this is the 757 at 6. A little bit of a short show today, but we're still going to get you Robbie's roundout to close out the show coming up next. Follow us on Twitter, please, at ESPN Radio 941. Follow me at Donnelly Sports. That's D-O-N-N-E-L-L-Y-S-P-O-R-T-S. Social media, as always, brought to you by Dominion Floor Covering. Tomorrow on the Tim Donnelly Show, it is a Winners and Losers Tuesday, so feel free to send in your winners and losers, who's winning, who's losing in the sports world, to our text line. That's 757-687-9494. Robbie's going to round out the show coming up next. For me, I'll see you tomorrow. The clock is running out on the 757 at 6. That means it's time for Robbie's Roundout. Here is Robbie Vogler on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. That's right. This is the 757 at 6 on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. Robbie's Roundout. Jumping right into it. It's a shortened version of Robbie's Roundout because we got some NCAA basketball coming your way, some conference tournaments coming your way in just a moment. And we kind of want to wrap up, and I'm not sure if this is actually going to wrap up the season. I'm not really sure how, because the season may not be over for the ODU women's basketball team. We we talked about the 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 men earlier today. We talked about how most likely their their season is over. I can't imagine any uh, invitation committee inviting the ODU men's basketball team to to a to a postseason tournament. And we know how ODU feels about, you know, if it's not the NIT, if it's not the NCAA tournament, you know, not real worth it, which I get. But the ODU women, unfortunately, last night, yesterday, I guess afternoon, lost to James Madison for the third time this year, 70 to 64. They were they were down by by a significant amount at one point. Came back, made it interesting, got within, you know, a point or two and and un- unfortunately, could not get it done. Could not finish it at the end. It wasn't as close as it was back when they f- they they played the the game at the Chartway Arena, which went to overtime. And I look at this, and I you know I I'm not going to be as harsh on the ODU women as I was on the men on Friday. I went up and in on the men, and I think a lot of people out there understood why. But I got to give a hats off to to the ODU women this this season. They had a great year. A lot of unknowns, a lot of new faces. A slow start. And we we talked about it a lot. We talked about how this season was different than than any other season before. A lot of hype coming in from this program. A lot of things going around, especially surrounding the ODU women's basketball program. And I, I thought they, they performed as well as you could expect. They finished the season 22 and 12, which again, I, I believe should be, should be good enough to potentially earn a, a spot in the postseason tournament. Hopefully the NIT calls their, their name. I hope so. 
and I and I look at this season because this was something that was near and dear to, to myself. I I followed this team pretty much from game one to now. And hopefully there'll be there'll be more games. So I'm not trying to say this is the end of the season, but it was tough to watch. It was tough to watch. It was tough to follow because it never really felt like ODU was really in the game. JMU was arguably the best team in the conference. They were the number one seed coming in. They won the conference tournament earlier today by 30 points, I believe. I think it was 81-51, which tells you that yesterday's game most likely was the the preview of 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 the of the Sunbelt Championship game. That being said, I I I thought about this a lot and I had these thoughts during the game yesterday. And we'll talk about this more later in the week. I just kind of want to to put the basis down for for my thought process of this. This was the third time that ODU had played JMU this season. The first game they played was, like I said, I, I take all the, every game they played before January 1st, 2023, I kind of throw that out the window. I know you can't really do that in retrospect, but I do that. And then I really think their season began January 1st for the rest of the year. I think they already played App State and JMU. They had lost to both of them. But you look at this team and the the difference of what they made from those couple of weeks before January 1st to what they did after January 1st, it's almost like night and day. They lost to JMU three times this year, their last time being in the Sunbelt Conference Tournament. I understand, and I was thankful to be a part of a lot of rivalries growing up in high school, especially around this area. We have to get to a point where you can't call something a rivalry unless there's actually some some even keel going on. JMU has dominated Old Dominion in every sense of the word this season across the board. I don't know the exact tally, but I, I know it's not even close when you look at the royal rivalry between ODU and, and JMU. It's nowhere close, and that needs to, that needs to you know, again, we're going to talk about it. We're going to get in more detail about it a little bit later on this week, I promise. But just something that I, w- I was thinking about, something that, that was in my mind and that I, I kind of want to talk about and kind of dive into a little bit more as the, as the week goes on, and really as the spring season goes on. Because if I'm ODU, I'm like, man, not a good start to our quote-unquote rivalry that we have with James Madison. <laughs> it can't be a rivalry if one team dominates over and over and over again. Got to have some sort of evening out portion. I'm just not seeing that this year with Old Dominion and JMU. That's going to wrap things up for Robbie's Roundout in the 757 at 6. We got some ODU, or not ODU basketball, that's over. We got some NCAA basketball coming up right here in just a couple of minutes. Keep it locked in right here on Priority Auto Sports Radio. Until tomorrow, for Tim Donnelly, I'm Robbie Vogler saying so long. Have a great night. Later. This.